We are through the first week of the OHL preseason. Remember, the season itself, regular season style, will kick off on the 29th of September. It's a Thursday, and then it's all systems go for what looks like, I think we can accurately call a normal OHL season. East versus West, 68 games, COVID protocols. There won't be anything impacting attendance in any of the rinks. This, of course, is the OHL podcast, your online stop for all things Ontario Hockey League. Right through the season, we'll have episodes every Tuesday and Friday, and those Friday episodes will include feature-length interviews with former players, executives, coaches, you name it, officials. Uh, So anybody you want to hear as a guest, shoot us an email, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. My name is Mike Farwell. He is Dan Mahar. We both found ourselves at the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium last weekend. The annual Fan Fest was back, first time in three years after the pandemic-induced hiatus. So it's a chance for fans to gather outside the arena. There are bouncy castles, there are midway rides, there's there's food, uh, there's an autograph signing from the players, all kinds of fun stuff before the game. And I got to tell you, Dan, we ran into each other inside the arena and looking around to me, I thought this almost rivals one of the smaller crowds during the 50% capacity days of the pandemic last year. Yeah. You know, the first thing that's well, two things struck my mind, one pulling off Ottawa street into the parking lot there. I thought, what, what a nice surprise is to see those parking lots completely full, completely full. Looked like a Friday night game from the front end of the parking lot. Uh, the second thing that struck me was just that watching the players stand for the national anthem and thinking, this is Tomas Hamara's first exposure to the CHL. Hunter Brustovich, first exposure in Kitchener. And seeing that kind of healthy crowd for an early preseason game, feeling very normal to us around the odd, probably, like you said, even a tad healthier than you might expect. Um, very good sign for the recovery economically from the pandemic. But even from the atmosphere, I think you used the word energy at the time. There was an energy, a buzz there that... Hasn't been there for the last couple of years for, through no fault of the players or teams, but it was really, really nice to see that. We are obviously Kitchener-based, so we're Kitchener-centric in this regard. But I'm I'm putting a challenge out right now to all 20 teams, all 20 markets, all 20 fan bases. So, yeah, I'm talking to you, the fan here of the Ontario Hockey League in whatever city it is that you support this league. And the challenge is this, and you and I talked about it during that game at the odd on Sunday, Dan. Major League Baseball, the Toronto Blue Jays certainly are a a really interesting comparison here because every year, no matter how good or how bad the team looks, this I was about to call the Skydome, the Rogers Center Skydome, the the stadium is full on opening day slash opening night. When it's an afternoon game, people book time off work deliberately to go to the game, fill that stadium for opening day. And then the next day, the crowd is about half, even less when the team was doing really, really poorly. What I can't quite put my finger on is why that doesn't happen in the Ontario Hockey League. So my challenge to fans in every market is fill your barn on opening night. I don't care if you go the next night or the next week, but why don't we get capacity crowds on opening night in this league, Dan? It's it's one of those marvels for me and, and, you know, you and I are both huge boosters of this league and we understand the quality of the product. So, so we're preaching to the choir a little bit here, but I've never understood 
in some markets that are good hockey markets, why they can't do that more often. And, and you hear some of them talk about, you know, our team's all, always an all saran, never really put a competitive product on the ice. Well, if you want to change that, fill that building. We, how many times have we heard in Kitchener uh, a player come in and talked about how they were wowed by the crowd or they were drafted by the Rangers and attended a game in the, the season of their draft before they signed with the Rangers and said, oh, I just was blown away by the crowd support. And, and players are drawn to that kind of pro atmosphere, that kind of energy. If you fill those buildings, you're going to see the good players there. You're going to see the team turn it around. But in the meantime, you're paying a extremely reasonable price for an outstanding product. I mean, you could have seen Connor McDavid, you, you name it. They all came through this league and you had that opportunity to go. So like you said, let's fill these buildings. You hit the nail right on the head when you talk about, and, and I will argue until my last breath that if the player to watch isn't on your team, he probably is on the other team. You're always going to be able to find a player on the ice that's worth the price of admission. And I'll never forget, this goes back to the Brampton battalion days, okay? And they had their big team with Cody Hodgson and company, and there was a young Matt Duchesne on that team. And I was I was just chatting kind of idly with the then president of the Brampton battalion. And he said to me, Farwell, I can't for the life of me understand why I can't get fans in this city, generally with Brampton, of course, being in the GTA, right? We know how mad the GTA is for their Toronto Maple Leafs. And, and he couldn't get six or seven or 8,000 people into that. I think it was actually the capacity would have been like between five and six for the Powerade Center. Nonetheless, he said, I don't understand why I can't get fans to come into this arena to watch a player like Matt Duchesne now when they're going to pay $185 to see him at Maple Leaf Gardens or Scotiabank Arena or Air Canada Center the next year. It And I, I've Never forgotten that. And I've been saying that for, I don't know how many years in this league. Shane Wright was skating in this league last year. Connor McDavid was skating in this league five, six years ago. Like the opportunity to see players before they jump to the pros and you have to pay, honestly, in some markets, $1,000 for the family to take a night out to a hockey game. You can do it for a hundred in this league and you're going to see some great talent. The, the logic escapes me as well, Mike. Like I, the Brampton, the Powerade Center, I remember first game I went to there, I walked in, you wouldn't have thought there was a game on that day. There was, you know, hundreds of fans at best. Pick where you want to sit. And I'm sitting there watching Rafi Torres go end to end and roof it for a gorgeous goal. And then Jason Spezza in that era as well. And just seeing nobody there. And it was so painful because many of those people will turn around and bid, like you said, $1,000 for three or four seats to sit in the nosebleeds to see the Leafs the next night. Where do you think these players are coming from? And not only is it the pipeline, but the junior product is is a little less polished than NHL, but that leads to a lot more excitement as well. They go, great, go, go every night. There are no nights off. Absolutely. It's a great point. And it, it's actually, it's the mistakes that that make it as much fun as it is. It really is. So that, that challenge goes out to the fan base is in every market in this league. I, again, I don't care what you do on game two, but for game one, like let's fill barns around this league. I would love to see that become a thing. And I'm certainly putting that on fans in Kitchener that I saw out by the hundreds for a scrimmage during training camp. And again, that building on Sunday uh, after FanFest rivaled, I would say, I didn't look up the numbers I should have. That's an easy thing for me to have done, but it, it looked to be about, what we would have seen last year when it was 50% capacity allowed inside the arena. We're probably pushing 2000 fans in there for a preseason, the first preseason game. So 
not a bad number at all. However, as much as I want to put the fans on notice here and challenge them, you got me thinking during our chat uh, during the game on Sunday, Dan, about the league and, and the teams within it and the challenge I think they face to rebuild and and get some more brand awareness back after the pandemic. Because we talked about this a lot throughout last year, but the lingering effects of the pandemic and that entirely lost season, I don't think can be overstated. It it hurt the league. And I, I don't I'm not sure yet we know how much, put it that way. Yeah. And I think we know we all know it hurt every industry, especially entertainment industries where you require people to come out in crowds. And a lot of people weren't comfortable with that. I think what I heard consistently about hockey, OHL hockey last year was unfortunately with the lockdowns and restrictions and whatnot, a lot of people found other things to do on their, on their Friday night or Saturday night or wherever the the home date would be. And that's a huge factor that I hadn't considered prior to the pandemic that, you know, people might, just find other things to do other than a routine and might not come back to it. And what really struck me was the number of diehard hockey fans, diehard junior hockey fans that have been in it forever. Just kind of opted out, you know? Yeah. Okay. I don't miss it as much as I thought it's kind of, and that is such a challenge for these teams who rely on those dollars. They're not a wash in cash anymore. Uh, they can't charge NHL prices to get back in the, in the black. They, so they, they've got a lot of these challenges. And if you can't engage your longest diehard fans, what do you do? And, and sure, some of them will come back. But it's really that piece, I think you referenced, Mike, about attracting new fans in, in the new generation, hooking them back into junior hockey. And, and you also referenced FanFest and what we saw on Sunday in Kitchener. And look to me like that life is, is brimming back again. There are a lot of young people there, a lot of people that were right into that game. And perhaps what struck me the most is this early preseason game. And most of those fans stayed to the end. They, they were clearly being entertained by the product. You're, you're drawing new, new fans in, new generations in. So across the league, I'd like to see some creativity and some energy put forth to how do we get those fans in that building that first time or second time? Because I, I firmly believe once they see it once or twice, they're going to be hooked. So a couple of things jump out to me. First of all, and it's something you alluded to earlier, but let's just be honest about it. And everybody involved in marketing this game or managing this game knows winning fixes everything. You want to build excitement around your team, build a winner. But secondary to that, I think you're, you're touching on something. What you need to do here is get fans into the building and get them hooked on your game. So I'll, I'll share two anecdotes in this regard. One is, and, and forgive me, Peterborough, because I love you. I love you dearly. I can't remember who it was that pointed it out to me many years ago when we were there for the traditional Thursday night home date in Peterborough. Rangers, Pete's, and before the game, somebody pointed out to me, they said, look around the crowd. And it was, I don't know if Peterborough has the oldest fan base in the league, but that's why it was pointed out to me, right? There were a lot of seniors in that building. Look, I think it's fantastic that it's a great night out. That's apparently why Thursdays was the best night in Peterborough because it suited that demographic best. But organizations have got to be cognizant of the fact that that is not a long-term model. Again, no disrespect to the city or to the fans that are supporting the Pete's. What a great historic organization in this league but if you're catering 
to the senior fan base, dare I say, you're catering to the wrong end of it. You got to bring, you got to bring that next generation in. And then to that end, we talked about this an awful lot during the playoffs last year specifically. And I'll tell you, Dan, going to the WFCU center for a Spitfires playoff game was an event. You got there and it was basically like Rangers fan fest was on the weekend every night. So you'd get to the rink and don't forget too, what a glorious time of year in early to mid May, the weather's starting to improve. What you mean? If I go to the game early, there's, bouncy castles and and pucks to shoot for the kids to be entertained while I stand over here and have a wobbly pop before I go inside. What? There's a band playing, there's music, there's an atmosphere. It was fantastic. Now, I know that's an investment on the part of the teams, but again, if you want to attract those younger fans, hey, mom, dad, let's take the kids, have some bouncy castle fun, listen to some music, maybe grab a hot dog off the barbecue, have a beer, even before you go into the game. And and dare I say, the game itself almost becomes the secondary event to all of it. Yeah, well, absolutely. You know, yeah, I know a number of uh, people who are not football fans at all, yet still go to a game or two a year in the NFL for the tailgating experience, the atmosphere. And that whole fan fest atmosphere concept is a win-win for the organization because I think you, you hit on a really important point Mike they want to come back to and it's about the the two fan bases the existing aging potentially long-term fan base and attracting new that fan fest concept and creating an atmosphere can entice that new group without offense if you don't want to participate don't participate show up go to the game do what you want to do but that draws in a whole new crowd and I and I can certainly appreciate the challenge these teams have with catering to and taking care of their existing fan base who let's frankly uh some of them can be quite entitled i'm just i'll say it bluntly i am a long time season holder holder i love when they cater to me i love when they appreciate my business my business and want to make things uh appealing to me but that entitlement doesn't mean that it, it's not a golf country club type entitlement where you know keep the kids off the course keep the you need that new blood and you have to find that balance as an organization between taking care of your existing fan base and bringing in the new ones. And sometimes it might ruffle a few feathers here and there. And that's the biggest challenge I think these organizations face. So the, what you're describing in Windsor, Mike, is, is kind of a win-win. You're, you're bringing in the new, you can still cater to the old. You're not picking one side over the other uh, and you're creating that atmosphere that actually might make some new blood want to come. Now I acknowledge too, in all of this that I'm still a bit of a purist and it it hurts my heart a little bit to think that we need something more than just the game to appeal to fans today to draw them into the arena but I think that is the absolute reality and when you consider the world that we live in and and young people and how they are almost literally wired with you know devices that give them instant feedback and and movement is like this today compared to, you know, even the pace of the game for crying out loud, but the things that happen uh, between plays, between periods, before the game, after the game, I listen, I'm not going to claim to be an expert, but I think there is a world of opportunity here when it comes to partnerships with restaurants, music outside to build the fan base. If you want me to take it a step further, and I've been on this one for a while, uh, look, 
I think that the provincial government in Ontario really, really needs to loosen things up when it comes to alcohol regulations. I know there are a few, and, and if they're listening, they know who they are, that tailgate in Kitchener on a regular basis. Good for you. Have fun. You're not hurting anybody. I think we could loosen things up a little bit and make tailgating. You imagine how they, like Hamilton is is set for this with what they do for the tie Cats for crying out loud. Yeah, well, and why not? There's multiple parking lots at the odd, for instance, and several of the other uh, arenas around the league designate designated a tailgate section, whatever you want to do. And, and, you know, you referenced how you're old school and it hurts your heart that people aren't there just for the game. Well, I, I am firmly in that demographic. I recognize none of this noise is, is directed at me to get me to the game. I can go to the game and tune out everything, tune out the in-game host, tune out the contest, tune out the noise, whatever, because I'm riveted on that game. That's me. I also can allow for the fact that lots of other people are there for those things and for that atmosphere and their kids stay engaged because of it. So there's no reason you can't have a whole bunch of it and just appeal to different audiences and different crowds. And I mean, the TikTok thing isn't for me, but I recognize it is for a lot. So let's let's do what we can do to appeal to more a wider group than just the the old school, if you will. Yeah. And, and I don't want to in any way be you know, a, a doom and gloom guy here or fear monger in any way. But I, I truly believe, Dan, and I'd love to get your perspective on it, that the league has to take the fan base really seriously starting now. So uh, last year might be an anomaly for a variety of reasons, right? I do think there was something to the argument that many were still uncomfortable going out to an indoor event. I get that. Not to mention we were, is it zero fans tonight? Is it 500 fans tonight? Is it 50% capacity? Is it a hundred percent capacity? We were all over the place. It was tough to keep up. So those factors absolutely came into play, but the point that you made earlier, I don't think should be overlooked. In fact, I think we should drill it home. Some people, I don't know how many, but some people for sure, found other things to do. It's as simple as that. An entire year off, people just found other things to do. And and I think the league should watch very closely its attendance numbers this year and just make sure all 20 organizations and the Ontario Hockey League head offices itself should be keeping a very close eye on attendance numbers to make sure that they're starting to trend up again. And if not, what can we do to get that trajectory moving in the direction it needs to move for the health of this league long term yeah yeah and and i would pose that it's very much a two-way street i think you talk to any business owner any cao one one of the first things they'll say is never take an existing customer for credit it's much cheaper to retain a customer than to find a new one so that's their issue to deal with they'll have to do what they can do to appease their long-term base uh and bring in a few new fans. The two, two-way street part I reference is this, and this is my challenge to fans, fans that are listening to this podcast, fans that are out there, is uh, check the entitlement a little bit at the door. Recall that this is a, a, a community product. It's something that, it, it's a very uh, high-level elite product at a reasonable price. The kids playing need the support. The franchise need the support. By and large, most of them do work pretty hard for your dollar. Uh, let's just work with them a little bit instead of saying back say well they should have done this or they could have done that or they didn't trade the, the negativity sometimes is easy to well up especially when everyone's frustrated with you know pandemic restrictions or what have you team not doing well so i would just issue that challenge as a two-way street 
teams need to to do what they can do and put an honest foot forward to get to get our dollar, get our uh, our feet in those doors. And the fans also need to come with an open mind too and remember why we're there. Remember that if you want to keep it there, you have to support it. So it may not be perfect for you all the time, but this is it's a two way street to make this fly. I think it's a great point. And Dan and I are open to this conversation beyond this podcast. If you want to email ohlpodcast at rogers.com, we have absolutely zero stake in this. There is no skin in the game. Nobody pays us from the league. We truly believe as fans of this game that it is a product that is worth your 20 to $30 investment 34 times a year in your own market. And maybe you want to travel to another game, whatever the case may be. We truly believe that it's good value for your entertainment dollar. And, and maybe you'll give it a chance. And don't forget that challenge that I also put out Let's see buildings full. Like I would love to see, again, I don't care what you do for game two, but for the opening night in your market, let's just fill it. Because I'll tell you what, the, the void will be felt if, and look, I shouldn't even go down this road because we know the league's not going to disappear. But just imagine if if your team didn't have the Colts, Barry, right? If you didn't have the Sting, Sarnia, we all know they would not know what to do with themselves up in Owen Sound on Saturday nights if they didn't have the attack. We just know that. So Let's go and let's keep this league healthy. Uh, I should have pointed this out at the beginning and I, I feel awful for forgetting, but a quick note, uh, Danny Jilkin. And Dan, you probably heard he has started Jilkin's vision. So Danny and his girlfriend, actually, she's studying uh, sports psych at Boston University. So no offense, Danny. We know who the smart one is in the relationship at a girl. But uh, Danny has started uh, Jilkin's vision, which is all about mental health awareness and supports for people who are struggling with their mental health. This is not far removed from former storm captain, of course, Garrett McFadden and McFadden's movement. Uh, we know that in junior hockey, we don't have to go too far back to Terry Trafford and that story, of course, but this is important work. It's important work beyond hockey and in our communities generally. But what I love Dan about this is that it's a young man who recognizes that he has a platform. And again, I'll just, reference back to FanFest and what we saw outside the Kitchener Memorial Auditorium on Sunday before that Rangers Ice Dogs game. And the players who were there doing the autograph signings and the number of fans who wanted to stop for pictures. And I remember as a kid going to autograph signings at the local grocery stores, whenever the players were out somewhere and meeting them, these, these guys are, are role models. And to see a guy like Danny Jokin, and we've seen others do it in the past, Woolies Warriors with Mark Woolley, the captain of the Owen Sound Attack last year, to go on and on with the list of players that are doing these sorts of things. You've got a platform, you're using it. Jokin's vision, boy, Danny, and kudos to your girlfriend, the smart one as well. <laughs> yeah, no, thanks for raising that, Mike, because that's, uh, I think the key point there is as, as hockey players growing up, you're groomed to be tough all the time, not show vulnerabilities and whatnot. And this is a, what a great initiative for a guy at this level of hockey to, to show that there are some vulnerabilities there and that this is an important thing to take care of. And if he can do it, other kids can do it too. And, and uh, so good on, good on Danny and, and a shout out to him as well. We talked about players, our fans filling the buildings. There's an elite talent right there. Steal where he went in the NHL draft. Third rounder to Winnipeg, I believe. Exactly. And that's, you're getting good value at Danny Jelkin in the third round. So you want to come out on any given uh, Friday, Saturday night and see players of that ilk, uh, you won't be disappointed. So that's good on you, Danny. Um, another big year coming for that guy. 
you know, so here's a note for Rangers fans. I haven't looked at the storm schedule, but we know the Rangers open at home on Friday, September the 30th, then hit the road. They're in Owen Sound on the Saturday and they're away to Ottawa and Kingston the following week. Maybe people from Kitchener want to just make the short trip to Guelph and watch Danny Jokin, that's steal in the NHL draft and Jokin's vision now getting off the ground. But that is an elite talent. And just to to kind of wrap this up, Dan, the young players that you coach, you must see this all the time in terms of how they view the Kitchener Rangers, the Guelph Storm, the Windsor Spitfires. These players playing major junior are like their hockey heroes before they graduate to NHL hockey heroes. Oh, all the time. You, uh, you mention a Kitchener Ranger or Guelph Storm or London Knight to these kids, and that's that's their everything. That's they look at these kids, 17, 18 year old kids, as adults, adult supers, because to them they are. They're these these fully formed humans, but a lot of these are teenagers playing away from home. And so kudos to each and every one of those OHL players who takes the time to talk to one of those kids or recognize that it's a much bigger moment for the kid than it is for the player and and take that time because the impressions they leave on them are last a lifetime i don't know about you mike i still remember interactions i had with ohl players when i was a little kid and you never forget those things and if they're the right interactions from the right role models sometimes all it takes is a, a friendly interaction just them taking that time so seeing more of these guys have that maturity to do that what, what an impression it leaves on those kids and they want to be like that when they grow up you know i'll just finish with this little note because you brought that up one of the highlights of my youth and i sat there i think with my jaw hanging down to my chest for the entire time. Don Beaupre in my backyard for a barbecue. My father was a teacher. Don was in his class. He invited Don Beaupre over to the house for a barbecue. And I'm here, here I am, young kid, huge Rangers fan, Don Beaupre. I, could, I, I bet you I didn't say a word the whole evening, but the impact, like you'll never forget something like that. And now you know what? We got to get Don Beaupre on this podcast. On this podcast. Let's go. <laughs> absolutely and if he could wear his minnesota north stars jersey that would be even better so absolutely there's another minnesota north star that we really need to get on this podcast too apparently he's gone into hiding and he's some kind of hermit but brian bellows we're gunning for you you're going to be on this podcast sometime uh regular season is just a few weeks away and we are out with twice weekly episodes of this it's called the ohl podcast please give it a like subscribe Tell a friend, send us an email anytime, ohlpodcast at rogers.com. He is Dan Mahar on Twitter at Tim Wallach. Yes, just like the former Expo. Oh, sometime soon, Dan, we're going to have to get stories of your cousin Rick. Is that fair? That is totally fair. He's okay. still golfing up a storm. So, yeah, he's, yeah, that's fair. Perfect. Rick Mahar stories to come. If you don't know him, Google him. If you have to Google him, listen to another podcast this is the ohl podcast i'm mike farwell on twitter at farwell underscore ohl your next episode comes out tuesday this is the ohl podcast
Jeff Woods, and I'm shining a light on music and the rock stars who make it. He just was one of those people, he, he stood out. He was a magic guy. He really was a magic guy. All, we all have force. He had the same amount of force as we all have. This was before Led Zeppelin. Robert was full on. I mean, he was Led Zeppelin without the band behind him. He had the hair, the jeans, the whole thing, you know. And he was amazing. The Records and Rockstars podcast, heard around the world and yours to hear wherever you get podcasts. All the episodes from JeffWoodsRadio.com. Another Sound Off Media Company podcast.